Hello, you're listening to the Blue Rise Examiner podcast. I'm your host, Mark Block. I constantly get the question, what do I think of intermittent fasting? It is a subject that seems to creep into our daily conversations on a regular basis. There are many reasons for this and the popularity of intermittent fasting. The most popular reason is weight loss. And like most weight loss diets, I suggest that intermittent fasting might be a trendy, unsustainable fad. I know that is a bold statement on which I do get some pushback, but if you understand intermittent fasting, my view might make sense, and you'll know if it is right for you. Now, I did say might make sense. I try to clarify that might by outlining a summary of intermittent fasting in my blog post, The Many Sides of Intermittent Fasting. If you've not read that post, please do so. There's a link to that post in today's podcast notes. To understand my thought that intermittent fasting might be a fad, and to understand intermittent fasting a little better, I reached out to Dr. Krista Verity, PhD, Professor of Nutrition at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Dr. Verity's research focuses on the efficacy of intermittent fasting for weight loss and metabolic disease reduction in people with obesity. Her work is funded by the NIH, the American Heart Association, the International Life Science Institute, and the University of Illinois. She's published over 100 publications on this topic and is also the author of a book for the general public entitled The Every Other Day Diet. Dr. Verity is known for intermittent fasting studies on chronic disease risk in human subjects and was one of the first scientists to study intermittent fasting in humans. Dr. Verity did help clarify my faddish viewpoint on intermittent fasting, and I believe she may help you better understand what intermittent fasting is and how it might or might not work for you. So without further ado, here's my talk with Dr. Krista Verity. Dr. Verity, thank you so much for joining me today. What a pleasure. I'm really excited. Well, I am fascinated by your research and findings on you know, the significant impact of and effectiveness on fasting on today's obesity epidemic and, and the prevalence of preventable metabolic diseases. I listened to your talk with Leslie Beck on Eat, Move, Think. Oh, yeah, that uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah it, it's a great podcast. It's, it's a great overview of IF and how you got involved in, the, in fasting and some of your research and what it is and what it does. And you know, I'd be happy to refer my listeners over to that talk, but can you spend just a minute a little short time, just explaining, summarizing for me and our listeners what IF is and the positive outcomes oh, sure. you can have on obesity and metabolic disease and, and some of the overall benefits of fasting? Yeah, no problem at all. Um, so the one thing I always like to clarify is that intermittent fasting is an umbrella term for three different major types of diets. So there's alternate day fasting, and that's when people basically fast every other day with either 500 calories or with just water. And then, so basically that diet is literally like feast day, fast day, feast day, fast day. Mm -hmm. And on the feast day, people can truly do whatever they want. So there's no limitations on like calories or carbs or anything like that. And then um, there's the 5-2 diet, which is like kind of a spinoff of alternate day fasting where you only have to fast on two days per week. Um, that was created, I think, just because people thought that maybe it was a little difficult to 
fast every other day, you know, just because of like social engagements and things like that. So with 5-2, you have those 200 calorie fast or so those 500 calorie fast days where you can kind of move them around in the week. And then in the U.S., the most popular form is definitely time-restricted eating, where people eat within somewhere from like a four to ten-hour window. But I definitely say the most popular is an eight-hour window. And that's, um, I think it's become so popular at this point because it doesn't involve any calorie counting. You really just kind of pick the duration of your window, eight hours. You place it somewhere in the day, so let's say like 12 to 8, and then you um, yeah, you just fast for the other 16 hours with like water and calorie-free beverages. So yeah, those are the three types. And in general, what we're seeing, we just published a pretty massive review in, in Nature Reviews a couple of months ago, and what we're seeing is pretty much alternate day fasting and 5-2 definitely result in quite a bit of weight loss that would be similar to what you'd see with like calorie restriction. So like five to 6% weight loss after about six months. And then time restricted eating definitely also helps people lose weight, but it's, I think the weight loss is a bit slower. There's not as many studies in time restricted eating, so we're still not completely sure, but the rate of weight loss seems a little slower because people, um, I think the degree of energy restriction is a little bit less with time restricted eating than it is with like alternate day fasting. But I think the main take home message is uh, mainly the main reason that people lose weight with these diets is just because they're eating less food. Um, I don't think it's like the ketone thing or autophagy, like all these different mechanisms that are put out there. Um, I think those play a role for sure with like prolonged fasting where you're, water fasting for like three or four days, but um, not with these kind of like short intermittent fasting strategies. Mm -hmm. Got it. Well, you mentioned, just to to digress for one second, you mentioned diet. And you as a dietitian and kind of an expert in the field, can you define diet for me? Because I'm curious, is intermittent fasting a diet? Maybe you could clarify for me, how do you define a diet? Wow, you know what? I have literally never been asked that question in my entire life. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny because I, I've been asked what nutrition is and stuff like that. But to me, a diet is just a way or a pattern of eating um, for a certain period of time, I'd say. Well, that's interesting because I did some research before we got on the call today. And mm-hmm. the World Health Organization, Miriam Webster, they all define diet in, a, in relation to food. Oh, okay. And intermittent fasting has nothing to do with food. So now I'm clear. So I can use the term diet for intermittent fasting. Oh, definitely. We've used it in pretty much like all of our, we call it, um, yeah, like a fasting protocol or a fasting diet. So, because it is, you know, it, it involves like periods where you don't eat any food, but you know, fasting is defined as periods of eating followed by periods of fasting. So right. I think it does involve food. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I or yeah, or, or else it would be a problem. Huh? We're in big trouble, right. Well, on that same note, um, before we get into the diet itself, I notice, at least I have used the term fad. And I notice you also, in some of your talks, you use the word fad. Now, most people that I speak with are constantly asking me what I think of intermittent fasting diet. And they're generally not individuals 
fighting obesity or a preventable disease like diabetes or cardiovascular heart disease. And many ask, they wonder if they should try it or someone suggested it. And like most weight loss interventions, my initial suggestion is that intermittent fasting is a trendy, unsustainable fad. And I'm wondering, you've given me the different types of diets and how the different types of intermittent fad diets and how they work. Are they fads, do you think? And are fads sustainable? Um, well, that's another great question. I think that intermittent fasting is very popular right now. So people may consider that a fad, kind of like um, how, you know, low fat diets are really popular in the 80s. And then we moved on to like keto kind of Atkins diets more in the 90s and 2000s and, and stuff like that. Right. But those diets, even though they were popular and maybe fads, they, they still do work. Um, so I think intermittent fasting definitely works for some people. I don't think it works for everyone. I get emails um, regularly, like several times a week from people saying that they've been doing intermittent fasting for 20 years, like way before the research started. And they initially lost 60 pounds and they were able to reverse their type 2 diabetes by following this pattern of eating. So I think, it, yeah, I think it definitely plays a major role in certain people's lives. Mm -hmm. But the main thing that um, people need to remember is that they just need to find a pattern or like a way of eating that suits their lifestyle. So you don't want to do anything that's really different from the way you normally eat. So if you're really used to eating meat, probably following a vegan diet isn't like, you know, that's maybe too far of a jump. So right, right. same with um, if you're like a frequent snacker, intermittent fasting may not be the best thing for you. So mm -hmm. people just have to find, yeah, exactly what, what works for them. And then, but no, I don't, I think it's popular now. So I guess it is a fad in that way, but I don't think that's synonymous with something like being, I don't know, just not working. Right. Um, I think it's just, I'm, I'm glad it's kind of in the limelight now because now we're able to get more like research funding to actually like study it. So, Well, will you just, I, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you just get some research funding from the NIH to study some long-term effects of restricted eating? That's right. Um, has yeah, it, yeah, so a year long. A year long. And I was just curious, if you had a crystal ball based on, the crazy schedules, which is another problem I have with intermittent fasting, you know, our, our, our lifestyles are not conducive to stop eating at six o'clock or have a, an eight hour window to eat. They're, they're not. So if you could look into your crystal ball and go at the end of that 12 month period, how many people do you really think are going to stay on the program? Because, oh, I think I, I also read your talk with Leslie Beckview that a lot of the people you worked with, you'd be talking to them, they'd be cooking dinner with their family, they'd be doing something else, you know, and pretending <laughs> they're on the diet. If you could kind of look into the future, do you think 12 months is long enough to get an accurate study? Of oh, I, I, I don't think 12 months is, is long enough, but it's basically impossible to get a grant for longer than that, because already like a 12-month study is like three to four million dollars. So they're not going right. to like fork out 50 million dollars for like a 10-year study, um, unfortunately. But I think the way to measure that would be more of an observational study. Mm -hmm. So in these short-term clinical trials, what we're doing is we're randomizing people. People basically respond to a poster that says, intermittent fasting calorie restriction study and then we randomize them to like a calorie restriction like a traditional dieting group fasting mm -hmm. group and then a control 
group where they basically just get a healthy eating pamphlet. Uh-huh. And I, you know, even though that's what we have to do to kind of publish in good journals, I don't think that's the way to go. I think we need to find people that, you know, can naturally follow these diets and then compare them and do more of a long term, like 10 to 20 year observational study to see, you know, to see really who is interested in these diets and who it works for. Right. That that makes sense. And like I said, especially since people are so distracted today, we're bombarded every day with influence, our phones, our TVs, you know, the lights are on all night long, our, our restaurant environment is set so we can eat any time of the day. So I kind exactly. of I, I kind of can understand how patients might participate just because it's a fad and you, you kind of have to separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, for sure. Yeah, another little, I have a little, kind of a delicate question for you. Many people are trying intermittent fasting because they've heard it through a friend, social media, you know, through a phone app, who knows, they're trying it maybe for the wrong reasons. And I've always wondered, can intermittent fasting as a fad or an unadministered kind of lifestyle change, can it create an eating disorder or have a negative psychological or physiological outcome? Uh, Yeah. So we've actually tested that pretty early on. So I've been studying intermittent fasting for the past 15 years, and I'd say that was the major concern um, kind of in the mid-2000s. People would actually like storm out of, you know, talks I give at conferences (laughs) saying like, you're starving people, you're going to give them eating disorders. So we started um, basically every single, Uh so um, every single study we run, we actually um, administer like eating disorder surveys and stuff like that. But one thing I have to point out is that I don't think it's for people that have a history of eating disorders. And we always exclude them from our studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think that, you know, fasting would be good for that population. But we do find that in people that do not have a history of eating disorders, that they don't develop a propensity for eating disorders. Their eating behaviors actually, you know, either stay the same or get better a little bit. They just become more cognizant of what they're eating. They start to eat slightly more healthful diet sometimes. Most of the time, they just don't change at all what they're eating. But um, they do become a bit more aware of like the quantity of food that they're eating, which I think is really important in our like obesogenic um, American lifestyle. Right. You indicated in a recent Science Daily article that intermittent fasting is not better than regular dieting for losing weight. Did I get that right? Yep. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. They basically both produce, um, like compared to alternate day fasting, we ran a year-long study that was published in JAMA like um, about five years ago mm-hmm. showing that with alternate day fasting, you lose the same amount of weight as with like daily calorie restriction. And we're running the same study now with comparing time-restricted eating um, to calorie restriction. Got it. So you also mentioned that you don't want to target people that might have an eating disorder. If you look at an athlete for a minute, or anyone that's on the verge of showing signs of an eating disorder, such as like the female athlete triad or Red S syndrome, or, or an individual who's prone to anorexia nervosa. Can IF, intermittent fasting, push an individual over that threshold into a full-blown disorder? Because you said you, um. you were not targeting people that have a disorder. So we we don't um, do any studies in athletes. We all of our patients and all of the subjects in our studies are usually people with obesity and 
pre-diabetes and diabetes. So it's mm-hmm. not really a population group I deal with, but I don't know if, um, I don't, I really don't know what would happen. I don't know if there's been a study showing that people like women that were on the verge, um, of having an eating disorder and if they started fasting, if they would fully develop it. So since that data is out there and not out there, I'm not sure exactly. Um, but I would definitely say that for women that are on the verge of like losing their menstruation cycles, I think, what is it like a body fat percentage of 18 or 16 in women, I would definitely hesitate to prescribe fasting to them just because they are so close and it will definitely help people. You know, it produces body fat loss. So I'd say it would not be for them and maybe they should just do more of um, a high protein diet or work with their sports dietitians to figure out what would work best for them. Yeah, my, my experience is the problem is they don't look for advice. They just try the diet and next thing you know, they fall off the cliff on this problem but they also they also there's an issue that i found with meal replacement energy sports nutrition products the bars the drinks the gels they've become mainstream Mm -hmm. as a meal replacement not just for athletes for people in general and it's people in general that may be prone to try if intermittent fasting so and i'm concerned that these types of meal replacements when eaten as just that, as a meal replacement, can promote, again, possible eating disorders if someone is on an IF regimen. Oh, that's, you know, that's definitely a valid concern. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I really, since we don't work with people like athletes or people with eating disorders, I'm really not sure. And again, I'm not even sure if that's been tested. But I think, you know, for sure that that makes sense if someone is has an eating disorder or is on the verge using an excessive use of those products combined with intermittent fasting could definitely push them over the edge. I think that just makes sense from a logical standpoint. Um, we just have in our studies, we have people that have, you know, fairly extreme obesity. So BMI of, you know, 40. So, you know, these people are like anywhere from 250 to 350 pounds and they need to lose some weight so they don't develop like full-blown type 2 diabetes. Uh-huh. So we'll use, um, you know, pro- like those weight loss shakes and stuff like that to kind of boost their weight loss at the beginning right. so they get motivated. But um, very rarely do we do that, actually. Most of the time we just have them work weekly with a dietitian that mm-hmm. gives them healthy eating habits so they can just learn how to eat like more fruits and vegetables and and fiber and stuff like that to keep them fuller longer during fasting. Well, so most of, and I I know this, most of the work you do is treating a symptom, correct? Obesity, Um, preventable diseases, aren't these generally symptoms? They're not, if I'm obese, now if I have an issue, a, a genetic issue, and I'm obese, that's one thing. But is, can obesity be prevented? And uh, I asked the question, what if we reverse engineered some of your studies? If we kind of unwound the clock a little bit, if we don't have obesity because people are following your book, The Everyday Diet that I do recommend, how can we, do we have to look at their diet first? Is that, you know, what is it that we have, how can we reverse engineer your studies to start before when, when we, when we address the cause, not the symptom? 
Oh yeah, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> how do we how do we reverse the obesity epidemic? Um I I you know I really don't know. It's we talk about this all the time in nutrition and lifestyle interventions and preventative care. We just really don't know what to do anymore. Again, it's it's really we're just a product of our environment. So basically now you know, we've, we're really craving um, just things being so easy for us and comfortable that now we basically don't have to move anymore. We All of our food is super high energy dense that right. we don't even prepare anymore. And, you know, and that's all contributing to the obesity epidemic. And how do you, I, I don't think that, you know, like diet books or anything are going to prevent that. I think it's going to be more like public health measures. I think people really respond to getting taxed on things and having to pay for things. So maybe, you know, people can only use their cars certain days of the week would help. Or, you know, people, if you do want to buy like really unhealthy foods, those should be like 10 times the price of vegetables opposed to what it is now where vegetables are far more expensive than like a chocolate bar or, you know, chips or something like that. So I think our environment's just completely set up wrong. But um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I think it's a way bigger question than just intermittent fasting itself, but a super important one for sure. It is. I always think you bring up fast food. If you think about the Western diet, the cause and effect of the Western diet and what it's having on obesity and preventable diseases, you know, the Western diet is characterized by, you know, high intake of saturated fats and refined carbohydrates and low intake of fresh vegetables and grains. And, you know, it's the whole, and it's spreading around the world. So your research is going to become more and more pertinent because more and more people are going to have be obese. It's, it's spreading around the world. Absolutely. So the, um, and a lot of people who are on the Western diet and are becoming obese, they don't realize, and maybe you could comment on a few of these things with people that even are obese that go on the diet, is intermittent fasting a magic pill for these people? Is it a sustainable lifestyle and can it lead to a diet cycle? If you are working with an obese person, they, they lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose, ga- lose weight, gain weight, how sustainable then if they're exposed to the bad diets all the time and you're working with them to lose weight and to control the diabetes, control their obesity, control their preventable diseases? Is there the life, the diet cycle where they go back and forth, back and forth? Um, Is that something you're working on? Um, We we don't now because we don't have money for like very long-term follow-up and we'd capture that more if we're following people over let's say like five years Mm -hmm. but i think you know and that's an incredibly important point like people again just need to find something that they can stick to long term um is that intermittent fasting sure maybe for like five percent of the population or is that some type of calorie restriction diet where people need to like track what they're eating or is it you know, maybe like higher protein diets, lower carbs, that seems to help some people. But whatever it is, people just need to find something they can stick to long term that also easily fits already in their lifestyles or else exactly they're going to go through that up down 
you know, weight shifts, which are not healthy if they're following one diet. But then at the same time, people need to figure out what works for them. So they do need to sample certain diet plans or certain lifestyle strategies to, to help them out. So it's a really tricky situation. You know, it's like a chicken or egg thing. You right. can't, right. you don't know what's going to work for you unless you like try out a bunch of things. So right. it's, uh, that's the problem there. But um, yeah. I am like when I do get these emails from people saying that, you know, they've been on this, uh, you know, this way of eating for, for decades, it definitely, you know, gives me hope that this diet definitely works for some people and helps them, you know, they can stick to it and it also helps them reverse diabetes or prevent heart disease, that type of right. thing. You know, when you say gives, gives us hope, if you, 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 you read Michael Pollan's books, he's big on diet and yeah, yeah. changing everything. And it's obvious if you look at the composition and nutrients in food, does IF, does intermittent fasting, again, I'm back to is intermittent fasting as a fad the best way to get people back in touch with what really works for them? Because can IF, you know, it doesn't really address the nutrients in food. It doesn't really address the body's kind of natural hunger cues, you know, and, and it, it can, we talked earlier, your relationship with food can be negative. I guess if I That's true, yeah. go back to my clients and people I talk to, what do I say? Try it? I guess I say, find what works for you. And they're looking to me to say, what do you think, Mark? Should I try it? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that intermittent fasting is a meal timing pattern of eating. And you're right. It doesn't affect it. We don't really talk about um, nutrients and all that, because what we've learned through dietetics over the years is that, and I guess with any kind of behavioral change, if you throw a ton of things at people all at once, they're just not going to do any of it. So, you know, maybe people can start with intermittent fasting, just eating um, with with 16, eight people tend to do 12 to eight because yeah, I think you mentioned before stopping at six. Right. Just doesn't work for anyone. We did a study on that and a lot of people did, did not like that. So 12 to 8 seems to be the pattern. But then in our studies, we also have people meet weekly one on one with a dietitian to get like personal dietary counseling, which I think is really important because a lot of people don't, you know, know anything about nutrition. So if they have access to a dietitian or, you know, if it's in our studies or whatever, that, that's wonderful. But I think another key concept that needs to be added onto everything is behavioral counseling, learning how to deal with like stress eating, emotional eating, just setting goals, meal planning, all the things that are in um, basically weight management, um, behavioral counseling are incredibly important. Some people also really do well with group settings. Apparently the most successful diet strategy out there is actually Weight Watchers. It's been going on for more than 50 years and right. people just love like the accountability and then just the social aspect of the group meetings and, and learning about, you know, nutrition in that way and just monitoring themselves in that way. So, um, yeah, I don't think intermittent fasting alone is, is going to do it for most people. They really have to combine that with um, learning about nutrition and then also behavioral therapy. So I, so one thing I don't want to like poo-poo intermittent fasting because obviously I, you, you know, I, I'm really on board with it, but I, I, I don't think, um, <laughs> I don't think it's, I honestly don't think it's, it's a magic pill for anyone. I don't think it has 
amazing health benefits that are anything more than just what you'd see through it. I think intermittent fasting is another way of fooling your body into eating less food, mm-hmm. um, which then results in weight loss. And then because of the weight loss, people are seeing reductions in blood pressure and cholesterol and better glycemic control. But in general, I think one of the major issues that I always try to bring up is that the animal research of fasting is showing much different and way more beneficial effects than the human data is. Now that there's a lot of human data coming out, um, we're showing that, yeah, all those like magical benefits we saw in animals are, are not occurring because humans just don't stick to the diet as well as the animals. Like the animals don't have a choice, right? They're in a cage. Right, they either get the food or they don't. They're fasting for 16 hours like, or whatever Because we're force-feeding like, We're forcing it. We're, we're creating the environment. Yeah, Correct. exactly. Uh, that, so the, then there's a lot of there's a lot of review articles out there, and it's really important to look at what they're citing because if they're just citing the animal literature, you're not getting a sense of what's going on in humans because we're, you know, humans will stick to the diet like 50 to 60% of the time, mainly, like most likely over the course of a few months. See, the first month will do really well. After that, everyone starts getting a little sloppy. Right. So, whereas the animals will stick to it, you know, indefinitely. But so yeah, I definitely get a little. A little frustrated when, like, there was a big journal article in New England Journal of Medicine that came out showing all these amazing benefits, but it was all animal literature. And then I'll go give my talks on our human studies showing mediocre effects, and people will be like, I don't understand it because, you know, this New England Journal of Medicine study, and I'm like, first of all, it was a review, not a study, and it was based on animal studies, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so anyway, sorry. Well, that's very... But it's... uh, that's very enlightening. Thank you. That that's great <laughs> because that's what I felt. But <laughs> but and I am um, you know I'm trying the um, I stop try to stop eating at six or seven. I don't eat again until like seven. But here's a question for you: for an athlete, again, you don't study athletes, but I have to. Sometimes I get up in the morning. I swim in the morning. I'll run. I can't not eat before I go do a workout. How do you blend fasting and you know, one of these regiments when you're burning so many calories. Is it not possible? Yeah. I, I think about it for myself. No, absolutely. I um, I honestly don't know. That's why I've actually kind of shied away from studying athletes because it just seems like one, they're, yeah, they're, their schedules are all over the place or they're waking up very early to train. And then, you know, people also train in the afternoons, like swimmers. Like I used to be a swimmer in, in high school. So I remember the two times a day training and I don't know how you would apply it. I also don't know if fasting is really necessary in athletes. Like I know, um, you might, you may want to talk to Grant Tinsley. He's, he's a great scientist that does a lot of like body composition, um, resistance training mm-hmm. work with fasting. And, and he studies it because in resistance trained athletes, they're finding that, um, they're actually losing body fat while maintaining muscle mass while using intermittent fasting. These are, these are like typically like adult males and females, so not teenagers, mm-hmm. but you know, in that, in that case, you know, for those beneficial body composition changes that you probably want for resistance training, sure. But I don't know. I think, you know, athletes should just consume a healthy diet with sufficient amounts of like calories and proteins and vitamins and minerals um, to keep themselves going. What, so in people that are not, you know, doing like body composition work, what, what is the motivation to do fasting? Just because, it's a trend. I'm serious. People think oh. they should do it because <laughs> it is a trend. Unless oh, you are using it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a, athletes, that's why I brought up the female athlete triad. 
because mm-hmm. a f- athlete is the first one who's burning calories, trying to stay thin. They have <clears throat> they have an issue. They have to stay thin. So they mm-hmm. say, oh, I will do intermittent fasting because I'll make sure I get enough calories during the day, but I can burn. I don't have to eat. And then I develop the psychological kind of feeling that, oh, now I have to starve myself. I have to. So it's kind of this round rock. But I believe many athletes do it for the fattish because the fat. Unless, of course, they are following some of the longevity studies that show a certain kind of fasting does help your telomere health. It does help insulin sensitivity. It does help cellular repair. But that's a different issue. That has nothing to do mm. with weight loss or prevention of diabetes and, and preventable diseases. So that's, that's what I see. Um. Like, yeah, and maybe they are doing it because it, it's a fad. I, I really don't know. But again, yeah, I don't, it just doesn't seem like something that'd be healthy to fit into an athlete's lifestyle if they're, you know, if they have such high, like, energy needs because it, it really does cut down on energy needs. That's the main thing that it does. Right. Um, but I feel like they could, because they're exercising so much, of, you know, they should maybe monitor calories if they don't want to gain excessive amounts of weight. But I'm not sure if fasting would really works for them or if that's a great option. But again, I don't work in athletes, so I really don't know. Well, maybe there's an opportunity for you to check out yeah, the athletes. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, do you practice one of the forms of intermittent fasting and does it work for you? Uh, yeah, I so I when I, I have two children and I followed alternate day fasting mm-hmm. after to lose the like 10, 15 pounds of like baby fat. Um, but I've been lucky. I've been like normal weight all my life. So I've never really had to like lose weight. But mm-hmm. I do follow time restricted eating now where I don't eat anything after dinner. So I'm, I'm the one that like cooks dinner for the family. So I cook and then we eat around like 6, 630. And then after that, I basically stop eating. And um, I'm actually not, I'm really pro sleep. Um, so I actually sleep like at least like nine hours a day. I, know, I don't even know. I feel like I'm almost sleeping too much. I think the, the healthy amount of sleep is like seven to nine hours, but I sleep like nine and a half hours a day, I'd say. And so I, I don't, I probably only wake up around like nine-ish. Um, so yeah, I guess that's pretty much kind of falls within the 16 eight just naturally but the main thing i try to do is just not eat after dinner Mm because i find that anything i eat after dinner is just a bad option like if i get hungry i'm not like reaching for carrots or something it's like something you know like we don't have a lot of junk food in our house but i'll still eat like a handful of cashews at like 9 p.m which you know i probably don't need so well i i also i'm just beginning to do longer evening fast it's been hard for me. Last night I was like, I was like, my, I was, I was gonna grab that jar of peanut butter. You know, I was gonna grab my snack, and I said, "Don't do it." It's, it's, it's a difficult thing. Which is why a lot of people can't, can't keep it up. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy to, to keep yeah, it up. So, absolutely. Um, but you have given me lots of food for thought, actually, on my side, and and how to talk to people and maybe get them into a better diet instead of just pure intermittent fasting. So I, I really appreciate that. This is this has really been a great call. Yeah. You know? Oh, thanks so much. And I and I would say, you know, behavioral counseling, I think, like Noom and that type of thing, you know, I think that's what's gonna help people the most. People need to like figure out for themselves why they're eating too much and why they're not moving as much. And you know, that I think that's gonna be the main thing that helps people. Well, I will also uh 
convey that to my clients as well and people. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you talk with me today. It's been great. Great. Thanks a lot. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too, Krista.